Uh, if you don't know, this guy up here is Wesley Wimberly. How many of you guys love Pastor Wes? What's that? Because they, they can do the other half. Oh, they, cool. want, they you complete know? you. You feel me? Your heart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's probably important to know, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's probably important to know we are nothing without uh, our brides. Hey. I'm not sure where my wife went. I don't see her. Hey. She's right there. Front row. Yours. What up, girl? Uh. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take these and we're going to go see for you it. You guys ready? <laughs> um. I always say this before February too. If you are asking relationship-based questions, do it. We need a, we need a lot of them. We will take uh, three or four weeks in the month of February and do a love and relationship series that will walk through a lot of this stuff with a little bit more detail. So some of you that might be asking that kind of question, if we don't answer it, the reason being is because we are we're gonna wait for the month of February to hit some of these things a little bit more in depth. But don't feel don't feel uh, like you can't ask. All right, anything standing out so far with what's rolling in? Yeah. Uh, how do I invite my friends to church without it being awkward? Well, <sighs> let me start with this. Uh, we, we have just, our, our culture has grown to believe that like awkwardness equates to like wrong. Like there's something wrong, like something not right. Like I invited my friend to church, and it was awkward. Something's not right here. And the reality is, like, people are awkward, and uh, you're in that list. So um, we're all awkward at, at times. And so I love saying it, uh, embrace the awkward. We say that all the time. Uh, I am a middle school pastor, and I hang out with middle schoolers a lot. And so I have to embrace the awkward a lot. Um, love my middle schoolers, though. Um, so I would say, one, uh, it's okay to feel awkward. It's okay to uh, step out of your comfort zone a little bit and feel the, maybe the, 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 the rejection of saying, like, nah, I don't actually want to go to church or, or whatever it is. But I would say, first and foremost, embrace the awkward. Two, um, I, don't, uh, I am not a super big fan of, like, Christianese kind of stuff, like, because people just, like, kind of send to kind of reject that. And so, like, don't kind of, like, do you want to come to my, you know, holy church and, like, talk, like, throw scripture at them? Like, no, like, just be friends with these people. Like, love them like you would any, anyone else. But uh, I think the thing about inviting people to church is being consistent. Uh, consistency is key. Keep on inviting them, even when they say no. Keep going, keep going, keep going. That's good. Being yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of said it. That's good. Um, got a question up here. What's y'all's Chipotle order? Um, you want to give yours and I'll well, give mine? I'm up in the air now because of the carne asada they added. You Kinda. feel? Anybody there? A little, a little I was, cilantro I lime. was a steak guy until they added carne asada, and now I don't know what I believe. I, uh, so. I'm about to do something I've never done before, which is eat while we're up here doing yeah, this. Bold choice. A couple, couple of things about that. One, uh, it's, it feels rude. It kind of feels weird and awkward. But then here's the thought I had when I thought about it earlier. I was like, I'm starving right now. One of my leaders just blessed my socks off with a Chipotle order. And I was like, why wouldn't I eat? I'm like, I'm worrying about what they think about me. And I've been learning as I grow as a people pleaser to stop being a people pleaser. When I feel that, like, am I doing this because I'm worried about what somebody thinks? I'm going to do it. That's part of what I'm about to do this right here. So you all about Let's to go. experience. I'm about to eat. I'm sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable or just mad that you don't have Chipotle. If I could give each of you a bite, I would. But I can't. So I'm going to eat this as we're going through these questions. Cool? So. I'll make sure to turn off my mic because that'd be, that'd be gross. 
uh, moving on. Um, okay. What do I do when I've already had sex before marriage? Ooh. That's a good question. A really good question. Yeah. Um, couple of things. I, I'm not going to unpack this a ton right now because I do want to wait a little bit more to talk about some of this stuff in February. But, man, I'll tell you what. A um, couple of things that you need to know. Because statistically, statistically, uh, there's a decent amount of students in here that that's their reality. That's, they've already had premarital sex in, in, in some context of relationship or not. And, um, and so they're sitting here and maybe you feel even coming to church, you can feel like um, ostracized even if nobody knows. Because you walk in and you, you know, a lot of what we talk about and what you feel like church is about is, is, is a purity, safe sex for marriage thing, which, which it is. The Bible is clear about that. But you can, you can feel and bring on own self-condemnation or, or shame uh, because of maybe your experience and your experiences. And one thing, the first thing I'll say is this. So Jesus has the power to completely forgive, heal, and redeem. So what you need to know is that regardless of your sexual past and history, in Jesus, uh, he doesn't have like a halfway restoration. Like Jesus isn't like halfway redeem people. And so if you've already had sex and, and outside of marriage, and so you might be feeling like, well, I've already had it, so why don't I just keep having it in my relationships because I'm not going to be able to save it for marriage anyway anymore. I'm kind of like, there's like some used goods side of me that feels like, why not? It doesn't matter. It's already in something that I've let go of and given away. That's good. No, Jesus can heal and restore and redeem. And, and when you make a decision to receive that grace and then walk in that grace and that new identity of how he's redeemed and restored you, it's like that gift is completely restored for your future spouse. It's like God can completely come in and restore the things that you've walked in. That goes for all of your sexual past and your sexual history. That goes for your current sexual situation. If you're walking in something that's not God-honoring in your life, in your, in your world of your sexuality, in your relationships, um, Jesus has the power to heal, forgive, redeem that situation. Um, so you need to know that because some people just don't think and feel that. And they think, like, ah, I've already blown it, so I might as well just keep going and not have to worry about feeling guilty about it. The enemy wants you to do that because he knows every time you engage in that kind of activity before marriage, outside of a covenant marriage, you're just, it's like you're ripping your soul apart a little bit more. And you're giving it to somebody who, who maybe uh, is not supposed to be the one you're giving it to. The other thing is I've had people say, like, well, I know I'm going to get married to him. Like, I know we're getting married, so, like, why does it matter if I know we're going to be getting married? Um, the Bible is so clear about God's design and his timing for sex in a relationship. And the, God's timing and God's design is it, it's sex in a, in a covenant marriage relationship that he blesses like nothing else. And, and so even if you think or you know you're getting married to that person, you're outside of God's timing for that activity, for him to be blessing it and for it to be something that will produce health in and between you two. There will still be this thread of you knowing that this is something that's outside of what God's will is for your life. And that's where the enemy can creep in. And then shame, guilt, all kinds of stuff gets to invade a place that was designed for, for blessing, for intimacy, for connectivity, for pleasure, for joy, for, for unity. And so... What do I do when I've already had sex before marriage? Go to, the, go to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness and let him forgive you and wash over you. He will. He'll make you clean. And then uh, walk in purity. Walk in purity. Do what you can to walk. I know we just went straight into sex, but I'm telling you, 
statistically, there's, there's probably 40%, 40 percent of you in here, more than a third of you in here have experienced uh, sex to some degree outside of marriage. And so that's why it's important that we talk about it. We'll talk about it more in February, but anything you want to say about that? Uh, I think a lot of times, um, well, first, in, uh, in Christianity, especially in church, uh, we've, we've begun to uh, rate sins higher than the other. Uh, we just naturally do that. It's just how our world works, and so we think that's how God's world works in his economy, but I don't believe that to be true. Uh, and so I think what that can do to us sometimes, well, I'll phrase that, I think all sin is the same consequences of those sins are different, right? So the sin is the same. I, I don't believe God sees like, oh yeah, that sin is way worse than that. Like, that's not how God sees sin, but the consequences of sins are different. And so that's where we begin to rate sins as higher than the others. And so I think what we've begun to do with that though is, is, is we feel like, okay, this is a higher sin. And so I actually have to catch up now. Okay, I'm coming to my senses like, yeah, the grace of Jesus, I, I'm forgiven, it washes over me, but I, I'm further behind than everybody else, and so I, now I got to catch up and I got to earn myself. And you're literally, you're, you're literally contradicting what salvation is and what the grace of God is and what he did to give you free gifts. And so I would encourage you, and that, that's for anybody, any kind of sin that makes you feel like you are behind or you, you have to catch up uh, in God's kingdom. When you come to him, there's no catching up. You are, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. And, and that begins right there. So uh, don't feel like you have to catch up. You will, uh, that, that's not from God. That, I believe that's condemnation saying I'm further behind than other people. That's just not true. So. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about this world more in the next couple months. Um, but I hope you know, uh, you're never too late. Like, God is, God is a God of, of never too late. And so even when you feel like, uh, I've blown it this far, I might as well just, I can't. And I'm telling you what, I've watched God in, people's, in my life, in people's stories. Like, it's crazy the depths that God's hand can reach into and pull you out. And so don't believe the lie that it's, you've already done too much and, you know, you're already that no, like that's that's a lie that the enemy wants to keep because he knows the more you you operate in that stuff, the more that it will create an unhealth in you, and God has something better. So, good question, and you need to know this about LWY. This is a place that, regardless of your past or your present, with whatever struggle or with whatever, some of you might be like, "What you guys sex with my boyfriend or sex with my girlfriend is?" You're saying I can't do that. That's bad. Some of you, that's we got a different across the spectrum. Uh, that this will be a place that regardless of your past, there is not going to be a condemnation or a shame or a judgment of what you've been doing or what you are doing. Because like we said in the very beginning, Jesus is in the redeeming restoration business. And he doesn't redeem or restore halfway. So come one, come all. We're all jacked up. We're all messed up. We all need God's grace. We all are imperfect. We don't, none of us can say we're without sin and we need Jesus, and so you're welcome in this place and on this journey. Good question. Question, how can I stop worrying about people judging me when everything I try to do to stop worrying gets me nowhere? That's a good question. Uh, 
know, I, I kind of spoke to this a little bit about my Chipotle, which I haven't taken a bite of yet. I need to do that right after this. Um, I've, I've, I've had a chronic struggle with people pleasing, with worrying about what people think about me my whole life. Still struggle with it, but I've, I've gained a lot of victory, of walk, walking in a lot of victory compared to where I used to be. So the question, how can I stop worrying about people judging me when everything you try to do uh, just, it gets you nowhere? Um, one of the things that I'd say to that, to whoever is asking this is, uh, the more you know what God thinks about you, the less you will care or worry about what other people think about you. The more you you know and you you and that sounds so like that sounds like just a spiritual answer and it is but it's true like I I, I can I've tried a hundred thousand things I feel like okay I'm gonna stop people pleasing I'm not gonna worry about what people think and I'm gonna like I'm gonna just try hard to just but 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 the, but the reality is I always go back to some place some default mode of worrying about what people think about me and, and and caring about other people's opinions more the only place that I see traction is when I actually know what God thinks about me and I recite that to myself over and over and over and over again I'm a son of God I'm a treasured child of God I'm fully loved and accepted by the Father through Christ Jesus Jesus fully accepts me for who I am I can't do anything to make God love me any less or love me anymore. I can't perform my way into a better standing with God. He loves me because of his love for me. And the more I know that truth about me and I learn that truth about what God thinks about me, the less I care and I worry about what people think about me. So that's, a, that's, a, that's one little way. I don't know if you'd add anything to that. Uh, who's, ever, who's ever cared what people thought of them too much? Cool. So whoever asked this question, uh, you're not alone. <laughs> uh, people are with you. I'm with you. And um, I think uh, the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest things, um, I, and I, I think maybe that you don't realize is that I think, I think caring what people think and, and caring about people judging you is really like this control. You want to control your image. And you want to control the way people view you. And I think... I think first and foremost, you need to let go of that. You need to let go and surrender to the Lord. Okay, Lord, I don't care what I look like as long as I know that I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm in good standing with you. Like, my heart's in the right place. Like, once, once, I, once I'm there, like, that's the first step. Because if we just go and try to, okay, I just got to stop thinking about it. Or, or I just got to, like, let loose. Like, like, that's not necessarily the answer. Because this is, this is an identity question. And uh, as I said, first and foremost, like, you want to control your image and you want to control how people perceive you. And the reality is you can never do that. Second thing, people think, oh gosh, I love this. People, people think about you less than you think they do. Do you catch that? you catch that? You know why? Why? That's when you say, hey, there you go. Come on. Why, Wes? Yeah. You know why? Because, because they're doing the same thing you're doing. Why? Because they care about their image. Right, and I'm not putting this on everybody like, oh, you all care about, but we are, we are in nature selfish people, and so we look to ourselves a lot. And so the reality is people are judging you and looking at you less than, they, than you think they are. We so often are in this like narcissistic mindset that like everyone's looking at me and judging me and, and thinking things about me. And the reality is they're thinking about themselves most of the time. I'm not going to make that a blanket statement for every single person ever, every time. But the reality is they're thinking about you less than, than you think they are. 
Uh, and I, I found that to help me because, like, the reality is we're all in the same boat. And I think so often because we're so fixed on ourselves that we, we get to this place of, like, I'm the only one who thinks this way. Everybody else is just so confident. And the reality is, like, we're all trying to figure this out. We're all, like, super insecure when it, like, like at the root of a lot of things in our life. We're, we're all insecure. And so we're all in the same boat. And, uh, but you need to get to a place first and foremost of, like, my identity is in Christ Something that I say over myself, me and my wife have just kind of made it a thing. Like, I am a child of God, so I have no one to impress, nothing to prove, and nothing to lose. That's, that, that's my life. That's my mantra. Like, may that, may that be how I walk every single day. I'm a child of God, so I have no one to impress, nothing to prove, and nothing to lose. Because he did it all for me, and he's the one fighting for me. He's going before me. He loves me. He accepts me for who I am, and so I don't need to fight for my image. It's really good. Uh, we've got a couple questions coming about just the world of LGBTQ and that community. <clears throat> uh, this specific question says, what's your view on LGBTQ um, or LGBTQT? TQ. You're looked down on, this is what the statement says, you're looked down on if you say you don't support LGBTQ. How do you cope with society and not offend people? Uh, just that, lots of questions have come in on that so far tonight, which which leads me leads me down the path of knowing that we're going to need to have a more in depth conversation about this in the next in the next bit of time. So I'm not going to get as deep as I would in a, a full night. We would dedicate to it. This is what I want to say to that that point of you're looked down on in society if you don't support or agree with. So a lot of you guys are already met with that, right? You've got. Uh, either in school or family or friends, where this is this this world of the world of uh, LGBTQ people uh, are are they're becoming more um, prevalent in regards to that. Maybe there's been the same degree of struggle with it, but it hasn't been as public or as blatant. And so you're 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 some of you that's that's your circle now, or you got friends in those worlds. Um, when it comes to following Jesus, yes, the Bible has some stuff to say about our sexuality and our, and our gender and our identity and our purpose um, in the scriptures. And there's, there's not any way around it. There's, it's clear the way that God has designed and made things. But what, what when it, I want to speak to the, you're looked down upon if, if you don't support um, LGBTQ. Um, we've got to figure out a way to be Jesus followers in a society where it's okay to disagree with what someone believes, but still fully love them. Like, that is possible. There's this lie out there, and this is something in culture that you are going to have to stand against. I'm telling you, I won't, I won't put a lot of things on your guys like, hey, you need to stand against this because I think we need to be more about what we're standing for than what we're standing against. So I will always be preaching more about what we stand for than against, but this is one of those stand against things. You will have to stand against the current of culture that says if you, degree, you disagree with somebody, it means you hate them. That's false. You can disagree with somebody and what they believe, and you can still fully love them. And have relationship with them and, and do life with them. Now, there's a lot of people that would disagree that if you don't support this, then you obviously hate this group of people. There, there are some Christians, there's some people, but there are some Christians that, that, that they do suck at this. They are not loving towards people that believe differently than them. It starts there. You have got to embody the love of God to every single human being that you come across, you come across with, encounter with. Um, 
And so if that's not happening, then forget anything that I'm saying. It starts with love. You have got to love people because God loves them, period, regardless of what their belief system is or struggle or any of that stuff. So it starts there. But if you're doing that and some woman's like, well, but wait, you're, you're saying you don't believe this is okay, then you don't love me? I'm telling you, you've got to begin, you got to, you got to know, and I'm, t- I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you to stand against what culture would say, that if you disagree, you don't love them. That's false. You can fully disagree with a, with a lifestyle or, or a decision, but still fully love somebody. And, uh, and that's, something that, that's something that's really difficult to do. But if there's enough people that actually demonstrate love to people, even though they don't fully agree with what they're doing, I think we can see the tide turn. And, and people realize, like, nope, actually, that person actually does love me, even though they don't support what I'm believing, what I'm saying there. Um, I have so much more to say to that, but I'll let you speak to it if you want to speak to it. Yeah, I, I mean, you said it. I heard uh, last week I was at a conference, and they, they were talking literally on this topic. And uh, the thing she said over and over again is love doesn't equal agreement. And, and that's it. Like, it, it really doesn't. Um, somebody, asked, somebody else asked the same question, like, how do I love on people that are gay or lesbian that I don't want to associate with? And I think, one, uh, it, it's, it's a, like, I can be around people, I can love people, uh, I, I, I can be associated with them without agreeing with, with how they do life or, or the decisions that they've made. And, uh, and I, I, you see that in, like, scripture. Like, Jesus, I mean, like, the dude, like, had, like, the most intimate thing, like, like back then, like, a meal around a table. That was a big deal. I mean, he's having it with people who are, like, complete opposites of what, like, the Christian people were. And, and, and I want to live like that. I don't know about you, but, like, I, I want to be around those people. I want those people to call me a friend. Like, I want those people to say, like, yeah, like, I know where they stand, but, man, they love me so well. Like, what if, what if that's what the church was known for? What, what, like, because it, like, the reality is, it's not. The church is not known for that. We're, we're known for being a bunch of people with sticks our, up our butts, like, who just, like, can't, like, like, I just got to shun everything. Like, and that's just, that's not the heart of the Father. And so I want to, I, I want to live my life where, like, I, I, I love people first before I make judgments, and, and they know that, and they believe that about me. And, uh, yeah. I'm also, passionate about that. Yeah, I'm, I am so passionate. I'm so passionate about about two things here. I'm so passionate about LGBTQ people. I love them. And I, I want them to have an encounter with Jesus, just like I want anybody to have an encounter with Jesus. But I, I'm, I'm especially passionate about them encountering Jesus. But then, too, I'm passionate about helping young men and women of God learn how to still love Jesus fully but be in relationship and, ha- and have life with people that don't, don't agree with what you believe. Um. When I was in high school, I uh, committed myself to just not being somebody that had stances without uh, having relationships or being in close enough proximity to, like, even really know what I was standing on. So I, I started our Christian club. It was a new high school. I started our Christian club on campus, and we met every, every Friday at lunch, and God did some radical things there. But every Thursday at lunch, uh, starting my sophomore year, actually it was every other Thursday because it wouldn't. That was, that's just Cole. That's just Cole. Cole was just leaning a little bit. Shoulders good. are just too big, dude. <laughs> Swole uh, city. Stop going to the gym. Swole Barker good back Lord. there. Gosh, dude. <laughs> Quick plug, if you want to work out at Wimberley Training, that guy's there. Let's go. I, it's on me. I don't, I don't go there. <laughs> I should, though. Um, 
I'm not advocating for what I'm about to say, but I'm going to tell you what I did when I was in high school. So I, I was the president of our Christian club. Okay, so that was there's that. But then every other Thursday, uh, I would go to uh, the GSA club, which stands for Gay Straight Alliance Club. And um, for the first three times I went, they were like, get out of here. <laughs> Why are you here? You're just here to like try to prove some point to us. And it wasn't. I genuinely was like, um, I don't actually have any any gay or lesbian friends. And so uh, I want to know you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. I, I literally just want to get around you. I want to I want to have I want to have a relationship. And um, and the Lord used that uh, tremendously to like open my eyes and break my heart for people that at that point I just had a stance about but I didn't have any relationship with. And so an encouragement to some of you in here, you need to know, like, one, this will be a place that if someone would say that they're struggling with their sexuality or they're, like, just bold, like, I know I am gay or I am lesbian or transgender or whatever, this will be a place. And we have had students here. There are probably students here right now, statistically. So that this will be a place, a safe place, that, that those people can feel like they can come and, and hopefully encounter Jesus. I, I want you to know this is not going to just be a box of a bunch of Christians that look the same. And we keep everybody else out that doesn't look like who, like what we look like. We are all on a journey. We all need the grace of God. We are all messed up and broken. And only Jesus can put us back together. And so we are on a, a community journey together. And so what you need to know is that this will be a safe place for that. Which might mean at times that it doesn't feel or look like the way you might want it to feel or look. And that's okay. Because I think Jesus, like you said, you said it so beautifully. When he was eating with people that didn't look like him, he demonstrated uh, very clearly, like, he still loved them enough to give them the dignity of sitting down and having a, a meal and a conversation. And ultimately, we believe through that kind of relationship, people's eyes will be opened to the truth of who Jesus is. The truth of what scripture says, that God has made life a way that will bless and flourish your life on earth and in heaven more than other ways of living. I will not... I will not shy back from what the scriptures say, but I'm not going to be a person that shoves that stuff down people's throats or pushes them away with it, especially before I get to know them. I would rather have conversations and create a world where that's happening than this is what I believe and I'm standing on. And, and so for you, that's now you got to chew on that because some of you, you come from different upbringings. Some of you, your mom and dad are like, this is the black and white. This is it. There's nothing around it. And that's, that's, I think that's all good and fine. But, but you're now different than your mom and dad. You're encountering these students and these friends. Some of you, these are your friends every single day at school. And you're like, okay, so now what I do, this is real life for me now. Uh, I'm always going to fault to the side of relationship. I'm always going to fault to the side of grace and believe that. The truth of God will speak to somebody more than I can uh, try to convince them of something, that the Holy Spirit will do that work. This is a good question. There's a lot more questions around this that we're going to, I think we'll get into on, in, another, um, in another time so we can unpack it a little bit more. But I love that you're asking that because it means you're wrestling with real life stuff and uh, real people. Uh, does cursing change anything about your Christianity? Uh, what do you well, mean by cursing? I know what I'm, I'm just I'm assuming cuss words. Sure, I just want for the yeah. sake of for the sake of the question. I curse you. No, uh, it's like are we are we talking about some Hogwarts <laughs> Hogwarts stuff here or what are we? Um, well, uh, 
we didn't do, catch this, please. We didn't do anything to earn our, our, what makes us Christians, our salvation. Uh, so I don't believe we could do anything to uh, get it taken away from us. Uh, so that, that's the first thing. Uh, what you do does not uh, make you a better Christian or a Christian. Um, but I will say this. Um, the grace that saved you, if it's not compelling you to live a life that reflects the, the person that saved you, there's something missing. Because when we are, when, when, what the Bible says uh, in John chapter 3, you can read the story of Nicodemus talking about new birth. And, and Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've like, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what the heck? How do I get back in my mom's womb? It's not possible. And, uh, and Jesus is like, you are, you're supposed to be a teacher of this stuff. Like, how do you not know? And, uh, but, but, but when you become a, a new creation, when you are experiencing new birth, meaning you have received Jesus into your life. The fruit of that should be a life that looks like Jesus. And so, and I, I'm not saying this to say that cussing is wrong. I just preached a message at young adults talking about what, the words that come out of our mouth. I do believe, though, I don't think cursing is necessarily wrong. It's not inherently wrong. I believe even Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, I believe he got really passionate about things, and he even said words that if you were to translate them correctly could be curse words if we, if we really look deeply enough. And so, but what, but what the, the passage in, in Corinthians says is that not everything is permissible. Like, you can do anything, but not everything's beneficial. And the, the, the title of that section is, Do Everything to the Glory of God. So I would bring it back to, does your cussing glorify God? Does your, that, there are two things. Does cussing glorify God? The way that you're cussing, does it glorify God? Second thing, does your cussing build up people? Because that's what we're called to do. I believe, I believe the words that come out of our mouth, the, uh, uh, Proverbs, it says that po the power of life and death is in the tongue, and we're called to build people up. And so are your words glorifying God, and are they building people up? Because that's what you're called to do. So flip your question. Am I glorifying God, and am I building people up? Yes, and keep on keeping on. But if you're not, <laughs> then you need to change, because out of the abundance of your heart, that's what the word says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so what's in your heart will come out your mouth. That's really good. Glorify God, build people. Uh, last question. We're going to dabble into a relationship one because this one's coming a good amount. And um, this person was persistent, and I like their persistency. Um, at what point are my standards too high for dating? How do you, find, how do you find a balance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standards be too high. I, this could be, I'm, I'm, this is terrible. I'm, a, I mean, assuming it's a girl, but it could be a guy. I'm assuming that's a girl to come and ask their question. Some guy, if a guy's asking that question, <laughs> I respect that. I respect that question. Um, how do you find a balance between having high standards and accepting someone's flaws? Man, a what a good question. Good question. Um. Come back next week, and we'll talk about it. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know what? A lot of it, I've said this a lot. I've said this a lot. You heard me say it. I'm going to say it. I'll keep saying it because I really believe it to be true. That the right thing plus the wrong time equals the wrong thing. Yep. Right? So a lot of you, it's a, it's a timing issue. A lot of you, it's less to do with are your standards too high? Because right now, your standards might be really high, and that's, that's fine because the timing 
of a relationship that will, that will be a blessing to your life and not a burden to your life uh, is not for right now because the timing is off. So it could be a good thing. Your standards might be right where they need to be, and the person that you're looking at might be perfect. But the timing, if the timing is off, then it, it's, it's, the, it's the wrong thing. The right thing plus the wrong time equals the wrong thing. And so um, I would say in this season, I don't know if you can have too high standards. In this season, like, you are still figuring out who you are. And so if, as long as your standards are coming along the lines of, like, it's, it's their, you're building your standards on Jesus not just like what Hallmark movies or like The Notebook or like whatever else that you're like, unless he writes me a letter every single day. Did not like the S. You didn't? Yeah, every didn't. single day. Nope. Nope. Nope, 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 Notebook. nope, nope. That was my impression of a, of a sassy girl just with high standards. You nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> do you want me to do it? Want me to do it? Nope. <laughs> nope. Just a, a sassy girl. <laughs> Listen, if your standards, if your standards are built on Jesus and not just on what the culture says a perfect relationship looks like, I don't know if you can have too high of standards right now. Uh, how many married ladies in the house would agree with me? If you'd say, in let me ask you a question. Married, married ladies in the house, you can disagree. That's okay. Would you say that if, if, if you're a girl in high school, when it comes to having standards, like it, you, you may not be able to have high enough standards in high school? She said, or this person said, at what point are my standards too high for dating? In high school, can you have too high of standards? You'd say no. Would anybody else say yes? It's okay if you can't, if you do. So you got a bunch of incredible married women right here who would say you can't have too high of standards in this season. That's a big deal. That answers the question right there in my mind. Um, I have so much more to say to this. I know you probably got something yeah. to say. Uh, for, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to the girls for a second um, because I, I think this is a girl. But um, I think a great, a great thing to do, there's a good practice. Uh, think about those standards that you have on that guy. Oh, man, are these too high? Flip them back on you. Just flip them back on you for a second. Are you walking in those standards? I want, I want them to be a good Christian dude. Like, like are, you, are you walking in that? Like, like are, they, are, do they, are they trustworthy? Are, do they have good friends? Like, put that all back on you for a second and ask the question, am I walking in those standards? I think that's a good practice. Yeah. If I have a daughter one day, though, you better believe. We might. We don't know what we're having right now, but like, listen, yeah, ladies, that was a good word. I also think like more than not, people are lowering their standards and raising them. Yeah. So I love Holy that. First God. of all, I love that you're asking this. Like, go keep those bad boys up. Yeah. Keep those standards up, because listen, if there is a solid enough dude right now that that is worth your time, he'll get after it. And he, he, will, he will pull himself up to those standards. And so, like, that, that's the way the, the equation goes. Like, you, you got low standards. Like, homeboy's got a low bar to jump up to. You got high standards. He's got, he's got some stuff to jump up to. And I, and I love that. What a great – like, if you got somebody who's got – who's really can, can meet your high standards in this season and it's a right timing thing, like, then that's, that's a big deal. But I, I don't think you can raise them high enough. I do think I agree with you. Put them back on you. I, I, 
I can't stand when everybody's got this, like, this is who I want my future wife or my future husband to be, but they don't have a, a future husband or wife list for themselves. Yep. You need that. Yep. But, but man, uh, those standards... Those standards are great. I think, if anything, we need to we need to raise them across the board more than than, than not. Okay, last one. Because this, this one came in a lot too. This is it. Last question. Around the world of of depression. Around the world of depression. Cool. Here we go. I'll ask it. You can answer. Okay. I've been struggling with depression for some time, and I've done so much to keep God at the center, but it still feels like He isn't with me. What do I do? Oh, that's a tough one. And uh, first and foremost, I want to say, um, and this is, this is uh, again, you're, you're in this spot, so it is hard to believe. But uh, whether you believe it or not, God is with you. And I know that sounds like, okay, okay but that, like, that's what I'm struggling with. Yeah, but the reality is you're, you're questioning that belief in you. And so uh, what I would encourage you, well, just, just with that, like, like first and foremost, God, like God sees you, God is with you, but there, there has to be a, um, the, the belief that He's with you in times where you're shaking up a little bit, has to be strong. Like even when I don't feel like He's here, I believe that He is, right? And I think that so often our beliefs aren't strong enough so that when we get hit by something, our beliefs just crumble because they, they, they weren't founded on beliefs. So, I would say just first and foremost, like. The belief that he is with you, even when you don't feel him, is so important to remember. God is with you. So if anybody in here, you've ever experienced any, even the slightest degree of depression, because that's such a thing of like, like, God is not with me. Can I tell you, God is with you. God is with you. Whether you believe it or not, I'm pro- I promise you, God is with you. There's a story in the Bible where it says, like, uh, talking about Elijah, he goes up to this mountain because that's where they would meet with God a lot of times. And, and there's this, this, like, this fire that comes, it's, it's huge fire because, like, God usually came in fire sometimes and a wind and an earthquake and all these different things where God would present himself. And then, but God wasn't in those things. God didn't speak those things. But what God did speak through was a whisper. And what I believe so profoundly about that scripture, you can find it, uh, I think it's First uh, Kings. I think it's First Kings. I can double check. I think it's First Kings. But, but, but it comes in the whisper. And what I believe so much about that scripture is that God met Elijah in the whisper because he wanted Elijah to know that he was so close that he could whisper. He was close enough to whisper. That's why he whispered. That's why, he, that's why his voice was in the whisper because he was that close. The second thing that I just want to like just pound into your face <laughs> Have a, have a heart. Yeah, heart, sure. <laughs> heart and face. Depressions, I, I believe one of depression's like ultimate goals is to isolate you from people. Just it just does that naturally. And so what I I, I, I commend you for trying to keep God at the center. I believe a great way to keep God at the center is be around people and be surrounded by people who are created in that God's in God's image. I'm going to surround myself. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to open up. I'm going to be honest and vulnerable about where I'm at. Do not isolate yourself. Do not, do not, do not isolate yourself. Because doubts and questioning is okay, but it's only okay if you do it with people. If you're doing it by yourself, you're, 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 you're headed down a slippery, slippery slope that's not headed to where you want to go. So many people in the Bible just question God over and over again. Abraham, the father of the faith. 
right? He took matters into his own hand. They said, God said he's going to have a baby, and then he went his own way through another person because he, he questioned God, whether God was going to come through for him. So you are in good company with your questions and your doubts. I have questions and doubts every single day. And so you are not alone. God, God is with you whether you believe it or not. And you need to get around people that, that love you and are pushing you towards Jesus. Like, it's okay. Like it, I, I, you need people around you that are saying, like, it's okay to feel the way you feel. But they're, they're not going to just let you sit there. They're going to push you towards Jesus. They're not just going to tolerate your emotions and where you're at. And, uh, and sorry. I, and with everything you've got, try to fight the urge to live your life dictated by emotions. Because that, that's what depression wants to is he, they, It wants you to live your life based on how you feel. And the reality is God is not in your feelings all the time. God, God is in your spirit. And so you have to fight the urge to live your life dictated by emotions. And I get that there's chemical stuff to depression, and I don't want to negate that. But I, I believe God is with you, and God can give you the strength and, and the things that you need to combat that. And so those, those are just a couple things. But Really good. There's a lot of people in here that are wrestling with that stuff. <clears throat> and so, you, like you mentioned earlier, how many of you guys are, you know, struggled with anybody? Anybody ever struggle with caring about what people think about them too much? Uh, if I were to ask the same kind of question around depression or anxiety, a lot of people would raise their hands in here. Um, and so why, why that, that should matter to you is because you aren't alone in your struggle. And uh, I reiterate everything you just said. That was, that was it. Um, man, we, we love you, and we're so thankful. What incredible questions. There were some really good questions, and it just, it just so goes to show, like, us the kind of things that, that God is doing inside of you. And so, um, man, keep asking those kind of questions and keep wrestling with the Lord on those kind of things because uh, the Word has, speaks to a lot of it. His Spirit, through His Word, speaks to a lot of it. Be around people that point you to Jesus. God's big enough to take your wrestling and your doubts and your struggles, he's, he's with you. So a big part of that in this next week, Life Groups is kicking off on Wednesday, Monday for freshman girls. Bringing this stuff Let's there go. is going to be a big deal. Uh, if you haven't signed up for a Life Group and you want to, Jay's going to be back there. Actually, Kira's going to be back there. There she is. Kira's back there, Kira's and she's going to have an iPad. You can sign up. It's just an email and your number, and then we'll get you the information.